Hello there and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. Mark Riley's dad was a Queensland policeman, so his family moved about often. The kids developed the ability to make new friends quickly, and Mark says that some of his fondest memories were spent in remote parts of the state. As a petroleum geologist, Mark gets to spend a lot of time in the great outdoors. He's an advocate of alternative energy sources, setting his own home up completely off the grid. However, he does still see an environmental cost with things like the manufacturing of lithium batteries and the amount of plastics that go into the construction of, say, an electric car. In this podcast, we'll talk about the finite resources that lie beneath our feet, the legacy we'll leave our kids, alternative energy sources and why we still need to do more. I started the podcast by asking him if he grew up here on the Sunshine Coast. No, no, I was um, kind of grew up in Brisbane. Dad was a policeman, so he shifted every two to three years. We grew up initially in Brisbane, then North Queensland, and including a couple of years in an Aboriginal reserve, which is probably the most fun that I can remember of my entire childhood. That was awesome. I think it was 78 and 79. The community was called Kawanyama on the western side of Cape York. The lifestyle there was pretty easy going, so as long as you got up before mum and dad, you could nick off. They wouldn't find you till you came home. The community there was uh, exceptional because your kids could run amok and someone was always keeping an eye on you. On top of that, didn't have any TV, didn't have any radio. Uh, so late 70s? This is the 70s, but unfortunately my parents kind of missed the cool part of the 60s. So their music collection reflects that. When we came back to Brisbane in 1980, socially it was a little bit difficult to adapt. Um, because You were listening to Peter, Paul and Mary? Is that the kind of... It was a bit, a bit, a bit yeah. of folksy stuff from the... Well, that and some classic stuff. And we, we land back in uh, Brisbane in 1980. Uh, hadn't worn shoes in two years. Kiss, the band, is the most popular thing going. Man after my and own I, heart. And, and I, I'm just in culture shock. I have no idea no, who, what who to think are. about any of it. Right. So it was, but reflecting, it was very lucky. Reflecting on that childhood and now with a, a daughter of your own, like you talked about growing up, late 70s, no TV. Yeah, it's a different world. I, I don't know what to think about the obsession with uh, mobile devices. I, there are things and subjects that my daughter speaks about that I never would have known about at her age. And and this is good things, not bad things. Her vocabulary is huge. Her understanding of things that go on in the world is monumental for a child. Having at their hand any information that they want, so any curiosity question, I often get, no, oh, I'll just Google it, Dad, instead of asking Dad. And, and, and nine times out of ten, Google's probably got a better answer than I'd give her anyway. <laughs> but not but as entertaining as your answer. No, <laughs> and, you know, and so the opportunity to lie and, and to get your child to... Um, believe in slightly magical things may have changed. The behaviour with children on mobile devices. You're talking about their social interaction skills and things like that? Yeah. So I'm fortunate that Charlie can put it down and disengage with it and then go play with the cats and do other things. But I have other friends whose kids just can't. And, and you can see the difference. What little gems do you draw from your childhood and then impart onto Charlie? Growing up, we had to use our imagination. I think there was a certain innocence too, whereas I tease my little girl about what she wants to do when she doesn't have her iPad, and I said, go use your imagination. You know, and, and I remember reading an article about giving kids nothing to do, let them be bored, 
and 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 they will find something to do. So I told her all of that, but you know, and then she'd turn around. I'm sick of being bored, Dad. But you know, I catch her playing and singing away, and you can see that she's using imagination. I said, "You're using your imagination again," <laughs> and and, gotcha. and she goes, "No, I'm not." <laughs> So, what was it like having a dad as a policeman? Well, I was, I was fortunate from the point of view that my father's job was just his job. So when he was at home, he was never never talked about work. My father quite enjoyed having an adventure. So in all the times outside of work, we're either fishing, camping, or doing something along those lines in the outdoors. As far as his work, it never really impacted on us um, growing up, other than moving every two or three years, which happened mostly through... Um, primary school and uh, early high school and that difficulty I guess of every second year you have to make new friends mm. and start all over again socially um, that had its challenges. Did but you resent that aspect of, of your dad's job in terms of you, you might have made some good friendships in, yeah, in one place? Yeah I guess so and and, and I, you know I've got a younger brother and a younger sister and an older sister and of course they all went through that as well and we all dealt with it um, either really well or really poorly the best part of it was that you have the social skills to make new friends, move to new places. Nothing scares you about having to shift interstate. Made you interstate. better with that skill, with, with I, making new I friends. I think so. I mean, I'd, 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 I'd try to look on the positive side of life on most things. And we had I got zero complaints about my upbringing. My parents were strict parents, but fun parents. Yeah. Were they disciplinarians? My mum might have been. Do, do you remember getting smacked? Yeah. Yeah. As parents today, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, well, absolutely. I honestly think that if you have to raise a hand to a child, it's just you haven't thought about it hard enough. So I'm, I wasn't I, expecting that line from you, Mark. I thought yeah. you'd be a bit kind of tougher considering you're up. Well, I'm tough, don't worry. Yeah. But I, I don't see any point in physical violence. No. I don't expect it back either. Sometimes my daughter will give me a smack and I'll tell her it's not okay. Like There isn't any form of violence that's okay or any level of violence that's okay. It's it's one thing to be a bit tough. You don't have to do it by intimidating people. You can do it by standing up to people. And I guess that was one of the things that moving every second year, of course, the first day of school, you have to deal with, and I, I don't know about your upbringing, but yeah, yeah, you I, go to another I, high I school and everyone... The and yeah. Sorting it out. Okay, yeah. He's, he's that and guy so and he's, that, he's the bully. So you spend, he's the, yep, you spend the whole first, <laughs> first and second day either getting punched or having to punch someone back, and it's just... Yeah. It's nuts. And I know that we see a lot of reflection nowadays on what bullying is. I know growing up it was just you didn't want it, but you knew it was always going to be there. So you either stood up to it or you avoided it or whatever whatever it took to have the least harm, I guess. Mark, when people ask you what you do for a crust, what do you tell yeah. them? The, 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 the true version or the... Well, I, I just, well, I know what um, you do, so I'm so just curious as to I, what you tell them. <laughs> my modern day or, or my current career uh, is as a uh, petroleum geologist. The industry has been in a downturn for quite some time, so I was fortunate enough to have people that I knew at the University of Queensland, and I work there now as a senior researcher looking into stratigraphy and understanding how basins evolve from the uh, research point of view, and hopefully that helps companies and uh, other interest groups better understand how to either exploit resources or protect them. What's the difference between a geologist and a petroleum geologist? Well, geology is a broad uh, field. 
and and within that broad field there's uh, quite a number of specialties so petroleum geologist i would define myself as a uh, sedimentologist and a sequence stratigrapher and the sequence stratigraphy is the order of sediments that are laid down in a basin so to have a basin that has sand stone in it and just so everyone understands that the oil and gas we get out of the ground doesn't exist in big holes or mystical underground rivers and lakes it exists in the space between grains of sand that's it so those grains of sand were either laid down in a originally in a river or on a shore face or something that's related to depositional environments that move sand around so the sunshine coast is a great example Um, our whole coastal plain that you're living on from here towards noosa is all full of sand so if you subside or you provide the room to leave that alone it can get preserved and turned to rock and that's what we look at when we're looking at potential reserves of oil and gas uh, usually in the jurassic age which is about 160 million years ago so would you do work for petroleum companies as oh, well yeah. yeah oh yeah I'd, um i don't you know in, in terms of locating supplies uh no wells? i would do the 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 science side of looking at the rocks I would write a report on that. I give that to them. What they do with it past that point is uh, their business in regards to how it helps them or doesn't help them find resources easily. It sounds like something that you may have fallen or a career that you've fallen into by accident or is it something that you always wanted to do? No, it, 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 it seemed like the most fun. Partly by accident, I had a previous career um, before I went to uni and that was uh, – did a trade as a mechanic, and my younger sister went to university um, and started doing geology, and I just couldn't believe that, that going away camping and on field trips. It's all and, part of the job. And I think, I think, you get paid to do that? And I yeah. thought that actually piqued my interest. That was the main reason I went back, as it seemed like an adventurous career, uh, whereas working in a mechanic shop, although it might, can have its good days, it's kind of a little bit like Groundhog Day sometimes. Same old, same old. Yeah. 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 And what was it you think that, that kind of sparked that interest? I, I know you know maybe it was your, your early days growing up and moving around a fair bit, but you have the great love it sounds for the outback and for the outdoors. Yeah, there's there's a fair bit of that. I I enjoy the adventure of getting there. You know, I still sit there and can't believe sometimes that I get paid to go out and walk around the bush and look at rocks. Uh, or more often these days, however, it's sitting in front of a computer and doing it with uh, digital data uh, from rocks at a subsurface, so up to a couple of kilometres below the ground. And that uh, experience from going out and looking at all the rocks uh, in the outback at a variety of places helps me better understand and interpret what we have down holes. There's value to it all, but yeah, it was, for the most part, it was just outrageous adventures and someone else was always picking up the bill. For someone that works in that environment, what's your opinion on the state of our supplies and the future of uh, resources that we dig out of the ground. We'll probably never take enough care of what we have. Oil and gas is, by definition, a finite resource. It cannot go on forever. Pardon my ignorance. Yeah. The, the earth doesn't produce more oil and no. gas? No. So the oil and gas is produced from a period in time in the Jurassic where plant life was prolific and that a lot of that got captured by burial. So we talk about modern-day carbon storage, trying to deal with uh, CO2 levels in the atmosphere. The Earth had already done that in the Jurassic and had set up an environment that was conducive to happy life on the planet. The understanding of geology, yes, I I work for oil and gas companies because they actually pay wages. 
Um, whereas the understanding of all of that, you'd have to um, be pretty hard-hearted not to understand that the way we treat the environment and what we, what we do with resources is quite wasteful. And we'll probably never change our ways the, as, as, a, as a society because there's not the government interest in making us change our ways. I mean, without getting all political about it, I, I, I think that um, as a society worldwide, we, we expect a certain standard of living and we don't really wonder where all of that material comes we from. We rely, you're saying, and as a society, we, we rely on what we draw out of the ground. Yeah. I love this quote by Al Gore. Uh, you know, he's all for alternative yeah. power. and but, but none of that comes free either. Like All of the materials to build alternative power Well, well, well I want to pick ground your brains well. on, on this. One of his favourite quotes yeah. that I love is, the Stone Age didn't end because we ran out of stones. We found something better. Yeah. So let's talk about alternative alternative energy sources and and your take on that because yep. you just mentioned as when I mentioned that you mentioned well that's not that comes with some some, um, some cons as well yeah yeah the like, I'm a big fan of uh, alternative energy or, or my property runs 100 percent off uh, solar and batteries I do want to talk to you more about yeah. that because you're off the grid aren't you off the off the grid yeah. never hooked up even though it's there it's by the front gate right. um, I I. Thought I'd give it a go without that, first of all, and, and frankly, it's not all that hard. I have an interest in how electronics and, and, and all of the, the science side of that works, so for me, it wasn't that difficult to understand, but frankly, you can, you can buy it um, off the internet ready to go. There's no difficulty in doing it. Globally as a community, though, what future for um, wind turbines, solar power? Yeah, the options are great. As long as, for example, if you uh, build a solar farm, the, the energy is required to build one, all the materials that are in that solar farm, being the solar panels and all of the infrastructure that goes into it, is actually paid off by the energy produced uh, through the solar panels and put back into the grid to be useful. Providing there's a balance there where the return you get exceeds what you put into it, then it has to be of benefit to society. I don't know how you measure that either. So statistics are wonderful things. You can make them say whatever you like. I guess one of the things that I always have a little bit of guilt about is that the solar panels potentially, depending on the process, can have a, a, a toxic um, byproduct. And they're not made here. They're, they're made in uh, other countries. So we're not really counting the impact of waste to produce things. For the production of this, these alternative yeah. energy sources. Yeah. But th- So then what is the answer? Because you mentioned that the resources that we do have are finite. Yeah. So there will be a point when we yeah. we run out. That's right. So oil and gas, for example, uh, yes, we run our cars on it, but more importantly, we produce plastics. All the plastics in this room come from petroleum products, uh, including all of the, the, the uh, insulation on all the cabling. So even if you have a solar farm, a lot of the material in there actually came from uh, oil and gas anyway. What will end up happening is we're either going to have to go back to uh, natural materials, and hemp isn't, isn't necessarily a hippie point of view. It actually was the main product for... Clothing and cl- shelter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I think that there are completely suitable alternatives for the use of a lot of the materials we have. Energy-wise, it's pretty hard to match the energy density that is in, in petroleum uh, fuels. You know, a five litres worth of fuel in an economic car will take you to Brisbane, whereas the amount of lithium batteries that you would require and the energy required to produce and build those would probably way exceed that. And then ultimately, when you have enough supply of any product, the, 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 the cost per unit can come down 
Um, and as long as we recycle, if stuff just keeps going to waste, ultimately we'll be looking at mining old dumps to get materials back out is where I think it'll end up in you know, hundreds of years, I suppose. Probably, probably won't affect you and me, but I think the, you know we need to consider the legacy that's being left for our kids. For our kids and our kids' kids. Tell me more about the your off-the-grid premises. Oh, okay. So you've got um, solar, is that right? So it's strictly solar. That runs the um, whole house, the electricity, yeah, supplies and the power. It's achievable because I don't have things like air conditioning and I don't have things like uh, a dishwasher. Um, but it, it runs the clothes washer, uh, runs fans, runs computers, runs TV. And you know, it's only a two-kilowatt system. It's nothing exceptional, but you certainly learn to appreciate, uh, sounds a bit nerdy, but every electron that you produce and store and, <laughs> and then I, reuse. I, I can get that. So if you leave lights on, well, then everyone's in trouble. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and if, if we have two or three days of really heavy weather, then I have a little backup generator that charge, recharges the battery, so... You're talking about being nerdy and appreciating every every electron that you produce. I've got a hybrid car. Yes, I know. And I, I, I which is the pinnacle of nerdy. I don't, uh, I don't delight in it. But when <laughs> say we drive from here to Brisbane, yeah, I try and get the the whatever the stats have said for that the specs for that car. Yeah. five point two uh, liters per hundred k's. Yeah, so I will drive at ninety five clicks an hour and sit in the <laughs> left hand. And my wife will go burko <laughs> while this is going on. And I say, yeah, but you don't yeah. understand. If I can nudge below 5.2, which is the <laughs> So, you know, I, I don't consider myself a nerd, but I, I understand, you know, I, I did connect to that point. Yeah. So you appreciate every electrode that you yeah. produce on, it's, on, on, it's, in your it's, house. It's, it's, um, <laughs> so you're still concerned about how much petroleum you're using in what's supposedly an environmentally friendly car. I got the car because zero emissions and... Well, it doesn't have zero emissions because it does run at five litres a hundred. Ethanol blend fuel, though, is it wouldn't... Am oh, I yeah. Being, am I being misled when I, when I put E10? Yeah, a little bit naive. It still produces emissions. Right. But um, that's okay. I mean, I have a... Well, set- I'm doing my part, Mark, which is... <laughs> I'm trying to do my bit. So, so... <laughs> You can you can have your Prius converted to being plug-in. So when you come home, what are your thoughts you, on electric cars? Fully I, electric cars. I think they're awesome. Yeah. And as I said earlier, I like fiddling around with electronic stuff. So um, just mucking around with electric scooters at the moment, just just for something to play with. Again, since I can produce and charge my own batteries and stuff, and none of that costs anything to do it, I'm quite fascinated with the idea of converting older vehicles um, to 100% electric. And the only thing that prevents it being economic is the cost of batteries. So once that cost of batteries, the lithium technology and any other technology that comes along, once that becomes reasonably affordable, then there's really no impediment to it. You know, there's pros and cons on both Mm. sides of the ledger, and I'm sure it's something that a lot of people don't even consider. So we're talking about alternative energies or electric cars or hybrid cars, and then I I love the fact that you've come back with, yeah, but to produce those lithium batteries, there are byproducts that that, that still end up impacting on the environment. Yeah, once those uh, lithium batteries get their end life and... and Because there is a limitation on... on Yeah, but they're they're quite clever and they're they're quite um, uh, an extraordinary bit of chemistry. And for those who don't understand what's the point of a lithium battery is the fact is it's light. So lithium's one of the lightest metals and you need metals to produce and store electrons in a battery. Uh, Our uh, old technology is lead, which is heavy as hell. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with it, perfect technology if you um, don't need to carry it with you. Um, so for powering houses and forklifts and stuff like that, 
there's nothing wrong with the lead-acid battery technology. It's been around uh, over 100 years, and it's pretty much faultless. The lithium, the whole point of lithium is it's a quarter of the weight for the same amount of electrons that it can store. So you can have four times the number of batteries in an electric car than you would if you used lead, which means you have four times the range for the same weight in the vehicle, which means you can drive to Brisbane and back again in, in, in a... In a, uh, in a more modern-day electric car like a Tesla. At the moment, the government, there's a, like a government excise on fuel. You know, So the government, at whatever level, you know, dip their hand mm. into the pot as well when you pull up to the Bowser because they take a cut of out of every dollar that you pay you know, the service station. So we're working towards this alternative energy in electric cars and hybrids. And I often say, but you know, there's going to be a huge shortfall in this budget, in this the government budget. Do you foresee that the government in some way, shape or form will try and get their hands into the to say, well, oh, hang on a minute, we've lost all this revenue from mm. you know, fuel excise. Now, how can we get our grubby little mitts on electricity and electric-powered cars or lithium batteries in the home and things like that? Yeah. What's your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, people who already have um, solar connected to their house already know that they get an extra charge for having it connected each month. The other difficulty that I can foresee is that no government allows people to be able to produce anything that's energy uh, for uh, for free. So the, the classic is uh, we could probably run all of our own cars on uh, ethanol that you could probably do at home, but you're not allowed to own a still. So the reason there is you can't tax it. The same with a lot of the biofuels that could be made at home. If the government can't tax it, they'll put a law in there that says yeah. you can't have it. Well, this is my point precisely. So even though today we're... we're, we're talking and, and having discussions about mm. electric cars. And mm. electric, do you think at some stage, though, you know, and although, when was the last time someone said to you, geez, electricity's cheap, um, <laughs> do you foresee in the future... I don't have that problem. You no, know, you don't, but you must, you know, yeah. when they say that to you. Do you foresee in the future that in some way, shape or form, there will be a tax or, a, or an excise or something? Per week, I'd spend about 100 to $120 on fuel. So in a year, that's five to $6,000. What I would suspect for the government to get their share of that, which as far as I understand, it's probably around 60% of that cost is tax of some shape or form. Yeah. Um, so they'd be chasing off you annually three to $4,000. That's right. They're just going to make the car cost you that much. If we're all driving electric, that'll be the cost of be, um, be registration. The cost. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So they'll, they'll get you. They're not going to miss. Yeah, they'll get you in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Ta taxes and death. Do you ever envisage leaving Noosa? Leaving no, not, no, not if I can help it. No. Um, what do you love about this region? For the most part, that, that you spoke earlier about life-work uh, balance, and I think it's probably the the most perfect place to do it. As a primary industry up here, we don't really have any primary industries that are the backbone of what drives the income and employment up here. So everyone that I meet, they're either doing something that services the community, so mechanics for an example, or electricians or someone who's building something, uh, or they're professionals. And a lot of people I meet don't work necessarily here. So for example, I work down in Brisbane um, and I've uh, worked... Even though I live here, I can work remotely because uh, a lot of the work's on a computer anyway. The ideal um, scenario that I apparently is that after 40, you should only work three days a week. If you, Would if you, you read that? I don't know, but I liked it. <laughs> I'd like it too. And after 52? Oh, you should be retired, shouldn't you? <laughs> Two days a week. <laughs> Two days. A week. So, look, on average, I, I do work three days a week. 
I get paid to work three days a week. I, I quite often do more hours than that. Yeah. But that's 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 the it's kind of work life balance. The rest of the time I have my daughter, and um, make sure that we do stuff, and and um, none none of it's over the top. But we we certainly go to the beach. She's a very good surfer. We we enjoy that lifestyle, and that's the kind of lifestyle that a lot of other places are too cold, too hot. Things will eat you if you go in the water, um, uh, or, or if you you know Brisbane's a beautiful place to live too, but. You can't drive down the road for 10, 10 minutes and go for a surf. Yeah. So th- there's aspects of the lifestyle of living here that are quite wonderful. Mark, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much, John. Mark Riley on the podcast today. And if you enjoyed this podcast or if you think there's something that might be relatable to a family member or friends, please feel free to share the podcast on social media platforms. And if you uh, listen to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher or Wooshka, please rate and review the podcast and continue to subscribe. We really appreciate it. Remember, there are two fresh podcasts up on our website every uh, Monday and every Thursday. Head to innoosamagazine.com. .com.au forward slash conversations.